Uh, I think we got Sean on. Sean, you with us? Yes, I am. Hey, hey Sean. Sean What's going on? Welcome to the Average Joe's MMA show. This is Jeff Shanahan. David Van Boglin here. And? And Ryan. <laughs> the man with no last name. Yeah, that's right. Just like, I'm like Madonna. Ryan. Yeah. More like Cher. <laughs> yeah. RuPaul. What's going on, guys? Not much, man. Thank you for joining us tonight. Man. Yeah, we really appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. Not a problem. So we just wanted to, to have you on and, and uh, kind of talk about, let you talk about yourself and uh, your experiences coming up through your fighting career and into becoming a trainer. And then, you know, just kind of give us a little bit on your, uh, we're the trainer for Kevin Lee leading into going into the UFC and through his first few fights. So we just kind of want to hear a little bit about that. Um, some of our listeners will know you from the Way of the Warrior show, which is how I first was introduced to you and Triumph MMA. So shout out to, again, to the Way of the Warrior, as always, for Absolutely. linking us with all kinds of things. Yeah, those are good good group of guys over there lots of fun on that show absolutely definitely yeah yeah it was it was weird because we were on the radio um locally there in grand rapids so we kind of had to tone it down a little bit yeah but once he got on the podcast we kind of opened up a little bit more so it was was fun you know it was kind of interesting going into a radio station and uh doing that you know i've did it like once or twice but not on a regular basis for like two years i think it was or something like that it was a lot of fun though it was interesting yeah you guys definitely did it i mean that's where i started was was on the radio dave and i are up in, in muskegon so uh listened to you guys when you guys were on 96.1 and stuff and then obviously continued and followed with the podcast but being able to do what you guys did and on a radio format and continue on and have some pretty good success with it is is a pretty amazing thing because mma you know even on sports radio doesn't doesn't get any kind of love so yeah it's weird well mma has gone through so many changes i mean uh i mean before it was even mma it was you know nhb no holds barred and that was i mean everyone knows the the ufc story like how it started back in was it 96 or something like that and and horrible because you know it was basically a barbaric match and you know the two human cockfighting is what they would call it and yeah, everyone knows the story it went up and down and the ufc uh the fertia brothers you know they purchased it and all that and you know good thing for the ultimate fighter um season one because other than that they i think they were what negative 45 million in the hole before you know before the season kicked off and then uh, the ratings went up in that, in that finale fight, and, which was funny because guys like me, I'm, you know, I'm 42 years old. So when you know, I, I don't know how old I was during season one, but when everyone's calling everyone else and like, hey man, are you watching this fight? I'm like, man, been been watching these fights. Where have you been? You know, so <laughs> like, I'm glad everyone finally caught up. You know, but um, yeah, my story is a uh, you know pretty. I don't know, simple, uh, short stories. Like, yeah, I got into it, um, growing up skinny little kid, had an older brother, was always into martial arts. And I just remember like, uh, you know, being like five or six years old and, um, you know, having an older brother and having a, you know, a dad, I didn't really get a chance to watch any of the things I want to watch. So I, the only two things I grew up watching was, uh, Bruce Lee and James Bond. And that was pretty much it. Um, 
you know, there was, I never got to watch Disney movies were like new to me. Like now I have kids. And so my wife grew up on Disney. So whenever they put on a Disney movie, it's like a movie I've never seen. So I get into it as much as my kids do. And my wife's looking at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I've never seen this before. <laughs> and then again, she, She's never seen the Chinese connection, so there you go. So, <laughs> <laughs> entertainment's entertainment. I mean, I mean, the funny thing is, like, I know every word in those movies, so it's it's fun. But yeah, you know, uh, my brother used to put like he used to be like this weird character. He used to like match guys up in the backyard or or out in the side side yard and stuff, and he would be like, "All right, bow to me, and I'll bow to each other." And, and I didn't know what was going on, so I remember like being so young and. I kicked some kid in the head, and my brother's like, I didn't say go yet. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know the rules, you know. And after that, I was kind of hooked because it was fun. And they put me in the, the right classes and did a lot of amateur fighting, uh, tons of amateur fighting uh, growing up all throughout, like, high school, uh, like, on weekends and especially in the summer. I mean, it was, like – but, you know, it was different. I mean, it was – I don't want to say it was regular, like, by commission, but, like, the guy who kind of put it all together, he was smart. You know, he just wouldn't do it just for the money. I mean, he had his own school, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And, we, you know, we wore protection, and um, we'd go out there and just, you know, kind of bang it out. And, and it was a lot of fun. And I remember, like, in the summers, we would fight, like, four or five times on a weekend because it was mostly just kickboxing, you know, like, you know above the waist and you have to do so many kicks per round and so you know obviously they were more kickers than than actual like boxers you know so sure um i had an older cousin who was in the marines came back from the philippines once and uh, this was like like hey you still doing like taekwondo and all that nonsense i was like yeah but i do a little kickboxing now he's like oh that's better than the other stuff i was like yeah i was like 14 at the time and like, well, go ahead and, you know, show me your best kick. And obviously, I go for the head. I do, like, some kind of weird, like, crescent kick or something flashy, you know. And he was laughing. He's like, dude, you need to do something. Like, a guy my size. And he was, like, six foot two, 200-something pounds. I forgot how big he was. And he was like, you know, like, you need to aim for the legs. And, you know, I didn't know he was actually trying to teach me, like, what a tie kick was. And so I go for his leg. I, I start swinging for it. And he checks it with his Big ass shin bone, and I just remember being paralyzed for like thirty oh, minutes. Ouch! You know, oh. Kind of felt like Anderson Silva for a second, you know, like this. And, um, but yeah, after that, I was hooked on Muay Thai. So then I started doing my research, and you know, was able to get my hands into that. And that little amateur show started to uh, pick up a little bit of steam. And then I remember the guy was. He's like, hey, you know, why don't you just take off the gear and I'll just pay you? Uh, it was like, I think it was like fifty bucks a round or something like that, <laughs> or or a hundred bucks a round. I forgot what it was. And uh, I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I was like sixteen or seventeen. I was like, yeah, I'll do that, man. And so, and the competition was a little bit on the. There was definitely a lot more boxers and a lot more like guys wrestling at the time, but they weren't going into these little shows that we were doing. You know, it was like kind of backyard stuff, and. Uh, you know, after I started to get really comfortable, you know, I was like, well, let me just go ahead and take it to the third round because then I can make 150 bucks. You know what I mean? And the guy finally caught on what I was doing. He's like, hey, you had a chance to finish this guy in the first. I was like, yeah, but I'm only going to make 50 bucks that way. I, you know, I want to make a little bit of extra money. So, I, you know, I'll take it to the third round. And 
He's like, look, he goes, I'll just give you like 500 if you can finish guys in the first. I was like, oh, shit, now we're talking. So, <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. For... Jeez, that's yeah. incentive to finish it right away then, right? right? Go ahead, yeah, hunt. Yeah, really. Go ahead hunting you know, for that. Think about it. You're this, you're this little kid. I was like 127, 130 pounds, and, you know, you're, you know, you're having fun out there. And, you know, I, I grew up, you know, playing track and, you know, soccer and stuff. So I was pretty quick, you know, naturally. So Sure. my speed was there so i was having a lot of fun in in this boxing ring and i was like you know not getting touched as much and then you know i was like well a couple of first ones i was nervous you know because i never got hit with the shin bone or anything like that before like on the ribs so it was kind of nerve-wracking so sometimes the fights would end in the first round but uh but then when i got comfortable and i was like okay well i can make 150 bucks let me just go to the third round and you know gas this guy out you know and then that's when he started to catch on. He's like, no, 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 no. He was, I'll just give you 500 if you finish these guys in the first. And so that happened for about a good summer. And then, um, so I guess technically when you get paid, you turn pro. But like I said, there was no, uh, there was no commission taking track of anything. ISK just started to come out with stuff on TV, like, or ESPN two or late at night, they would show like kickboxing fights and yeah. but they were all older. They were like 30 year old men, like Dennis Alexio and Manson Gibson and all these Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham and you know these guys were like much much older. There were there were no teenagers fighting per se. So you're basically so, um, the youngest guy in there fighting against much much more uh, experienced men, much uh, much older competitors no, 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 as well. No no, it, no, no, it was just a bunch of us guys just having fun. I mean, oh, I see what I you're remember, saying. Okay, yeah, it was just a bunch of must, there was the guy did it by age groups and by weight. He you know he's like oh okay, okay. So a guy. Yeah, if a guy was like 32 years old, he's not going to put him in there with a 17-year-old kid. Perfect. That kid, was my next know? thing. I was like, if it's if it's that, you know, back you know backyard or I don't mean yeah. to say unorganized, but um, you know, if it's that backyard, is is there is there strict weight classes? Is is what's going on with this? Are they just throwing in anybody to the wolves here? Is it is it well, that kind of deal? Like I said, it, you know, we there was no such thing as weight cutting. I mean, we just kind of showed up, weighed in, and like, sure, the, like. We would weigh in at 3 p.m. and then fights would start at 5, you know, because you had to get people in brackets, you know, and, and just get this thing going quick and fast. And it was just – everyone knew Friday night you would go over. The, there was a university in Dallas, Texas called SMU and uh, Southern Methodist University. And um, yeah, I think they're like a D3 or D2 kind of school. Everyone knew that Friday night at this one, like, dojo place, they would always have kick-ass fights and kick-ass sparring. So you could just show up and – have popcorn or just participate whatever but you know i mean and like i said like there was one guy i think he and i we went at it probably like i don't know maybe 12 different times you know because there was like i said it wasn't a a much uh a a big group to pick from but then you know i started to move around got to california and that's when i was like oh there's a whole group and then people from mexico like because in san diego you're like 20 minutes from the border so people from Mexico would come across, or we would go down there and, and do fights. And man, I mean, it was an eye opener there. And that's when I started to realize, okay. And there wasn't really a lot of money going on, so I kind of like, I was like, yeah, let me change my life right now. So I went and joined the Air Force, and uh, that was fun. I did that for eight years, and um, kind of started up a little kickboxing program while I was in the Air Force. So that was, that was kind of fun, just to you know, keep at it because I didn't want to lose, like, the skills that I had. Sure. Was and there then, a, was there anything real organized within the military? Because I have a friend, Scott Owens, a listener of the show, and, and they and he was in the Army, and they had organized uh, 
sports, uh, boxing and, and MMA. Not real MMA, but more boxing where it was organized. They had medals and tournaments. And yeah. Was it, was it similar for, for the Air Force as well? Um, the Air Force didn't really get involved with the other branches. Everything was like, so, you know, in the Air Force, you have squadrons. So you're part of this squadron or that squadron or whatever. And okay. so in your, in your squadron, you know, you'd compete against like, you know, the supply guys would go against the logistics and or, or uh, transportation or the meg group oh, would go okay. against the admins or something. It was kind of like if you were to do a softball game. You know, yeah, very internal. Was, yeah, very internal. Uh, it was a lot of fun. But, um, again, that, that was just – that was just pure fun. I mean, there, there was head. I mean, you, there was so many rules that we had to go because, you know, to keep it safe. Cause obviously you're punching people. So, Oh yeah. Um, but like, like, you know how the army and, and Navy, they have like a big boxing program. Yeah. That's, that's what I was, that's what great. I was getting towards, you know, the, the yeah. inter agency, if you will. I uh, think they're even like with, I think they're, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's golden Gloves, but I think they're, there's definitely USA boxing affiliated. For sure, because they have the USA uh, guidelines that they have to follow. Right. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So that was cool. And then um, got married when I got out of the Air Force. I think it was in 2005. Um, I was in Chicago at the time. My wife was doing her master's out there. And I was just in Chicago for a year. And uh, I, I looked up. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. There's a really old gym there. It's shut down now, but it used to be called the Windy City Boxing Gym, and like some of the greats oh, yeah. came out of there. Yeah. And uh, and I, you know, I was in Chicago, and I told my wife, I was like, "Hey, uh, I was like, I gotta go check out this gym." And she's like, "Yeah, you know, go right ahead." So, one well, day off from work, I drove all the way down to the south side. And it was a dodgy place, man. And uh, I get in there, and I mean, Amy, it was straight out of a Rocky movie. I mean, there was like. I mean, the plywood was broke. I mean, there's splinters everywhere, and you know, there's these two box rings side by side, and I mean, it smelled horrible. And I was just kind of like, "Yeah, this, this place will never pass a health code." In, in <laughs> <laughs> I seen uh, I seen Windy City Boxing Gym on something on ESPN. I think they did uh, some sort of a 30 for 30 or something on famous boxing yeah. gyms across the country. And mm-hmm. uh, there was something in Detroit, but I think Wendy, I know Wendy city was part of it. I don't remember the specifics on it, but uh, it was, yeah. it was a very popular um, um, old school, uh, old school boxing yeah. gym, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. from like the sixties or something. It was, it was pretty <clears throat> walking in there. I felt like I went into a time machine to be honest with you, man. Cause there was a bunch of old timers in there. All that history. Um, yeah, and you just walk in there, and you, I mean, you could just feel it. You know what I mean? There was like a sense of aura. I was just like, man, there's, there's something going on in this gym. And I and I was, I think I was like 28 years old, you know? And um, and uh, there was a, a guy who came by, and, uh, you know, I, I recognized him. He used to be a kickboxer on uh, on ESPN when I was, you know, late at night. I used to watch him. I think he used to fight like Rick Rufus and those kind of guys. And, and uh and I really always, I really liked his style because it was, I always told myself if I ever got into like that higher level of, of, of Muay Thai or, 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 you know, kickboxing, I would like to mimic that style because it was very similar to what I was doing, which is a lot of spin moves, spinning back fists, spinning back kicks and stuff. And, and this guy, man, he was, um, really low level. Like he fought guys like before there was K1, it was called K2 and he fought Ernesto Houston K2 and, um, you know, kind of went to a decision with that guy, and he's only 190 pounds. He's over there fighting guys 240, 238, and uh, he was a really good, a good guy. And I got a chance to work with him a little bit, and he actually trained me uh, for 
about four or five months. And then he said, Hey, down in Peoria, there's a, a tournament going on and you should go and enter it. And so I go down there uh, with him and it was the, uh, uh, which organization was it? It was an ISKA. I forget what it was. It was some, some other one. They have a pretty good reputable, uh, uh, I think it was ISK. I can't remember, man. But anyways, it was the, they're holding the, um, the Midwest uh, tournament at the time. And so I go in, I weighed in at 157, and there was nobody in my bracket. They looked at the 164, there was nobody there. So they go to the 168, and there was two guys in there. And I was like, great, you know, like 11, 12 pounds, whatever. And then they, the promoter, he goes, hey, if you want in, you're going to have to face the challenger first. And then if you beat him, then you get to fight the guy who's the, the guy who won from last year. I was like, Oh, so the winner, or so the champion, so, you know, is up in the stands. I was like, oh, so he gets to watch me fight, and then he gets a bye, and then fights me PRs. He's like, like, oh, whatever. Yeah, I was kind of used to that anyways from, you know, the amateur stuff we did in in Dallas. So, um, you know, plans are always, game plans suck. They they, they suck so bad, because I I knew I was going to beat this guy, because, you know, he's like a, Nothing against fat people, but he was kind of fat. And I was like, this guy's not even going to be able to touch me and whatever. I mean, he's going to have power, but it doesn't help. It doesn't look like he's going to have any uh, wind, any gas tank. Yeah. Any, you know. Yeah, so I, like, I, I, you I know, got what you're saying. Yeah. I was like, I got this guy. And I was like, so take him out in the first round. You know, don't show so much. And then fight this, uh, the champion dude, you know, a few hours later. Well, that, that fat dude could take a lick, man. I, mean, I <laughs> fucking hit him with everything I could. And I, he just wouldn't go down. Finally, in the third round. I nailed him with um, uh, like some kind of like I don't know it was like an uppercut or a hook or something and he finally drops and then the the ref waved it off and I was like three rounds later so what do I do I go to the back I eat a bunch of donuts bananas and Gatorade because I got to recharge my battery man you know and I'm like uh, and then I fought the other guy and um, that was a little bit of a tough fight I wasn't really getting a fair shake because the promote there were he was from the promotions gym. And the promoter's gym, and he was the referee of the first fight was his corner guy, you know, and then when I fought him, and so there was a different ref, and I didn't really like I knocked this guy down, like, several times, like, five or six different times. They kept calling it a flash knockdown. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? How's that a flash knockdown? Like, it's not like he's popping right back up. He's, you know, he's hurt, you know, and so they weren't really doing a good job, so finally the fight ended and I totally thought I lost. And then somehow there, they gave me a unanimous decision. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So hey, I'll take it. What the hell? Yeah. 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 So I, I got that. And then that was fun. Uh, that was like my last, uh, well, for that moment, that was my, like my last, uh, tie fight. And then I got my hands dirty with MMA. Oh man. What an eye opener that is. I mean, when you go from like a boxing, or uh, or a kickboxing or a Muay Thai where, you know, there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of, you know, there's certain things that kind of happen. Don't get me wrong, when the bell rings, you know, it goes. But, you know, I, I just remember I was in California. And mind you, at this time, MMA wasn't even legal in California. So either you had to fight in Mexico or, or uh, on an Indian reservation. And uh, I go up against, uh, he's, what is his name? Uh, he's actually a, he's a, He's a tough alumni. He was on the Ultimate Fire. I think he fights in Bellator now. Savak, uh, Sivak, or Savak, uh, some Armenian guy. I think he's like cousins with Carl Parisian or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, was on the uh, GSP season. 
Was he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so Ryan. And he was big. That's, I that's, remember that time. He was, <laughs> that's Ryan's job, like a, man. Ryan will, Ryan will get you any name you need to know. He'll pull yeah, it right out of his. These, these are encyclopedia, man. He'll get you. His last name was like Maligan or Malachine or something. It was weird, man. But uh, I just remember the guy was so big. And it was a 155 fight. And I knew a little bit about the guy because I knew he, all his judo stuff and everything. Everything he did was welterweight. And I just didn't really know, like, the size of him. And so when we get to the weigh-ins, which was messed up because the commission was at a boxing fight. And so we didn't weigh in until, like, 11 o'clock on Friday night anyways. Um, uh, they, they, when I say the commission, I meant, like, the Indian tribal commission, not the California state. I mean, because, like I said, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't legal. Um, so it was the tribal commission guys showed up and I just remember like <clears throat> the guy that I thought was my opponent, you know, I was like, I got on a scale of 154, you know, cause I, I was floating so much uh, because it took them forever to get there. And then, um, you know, I hear them call out my opponent's name and I'm like, why isn't this guy moving to the scale? And then I hear 155 and I turn around and I'm like, what do you mean? The, the guy never stepped on the scale. And then it was my, the, the real opponent and, and I'm like, what the hell? How the hell is this guy 155? There's no way, you know what I mean? I was like, he was huge, you know? And, and um, you know, that kind of messed me up a little bit. So, yeah, my my uh, MMA debut, you know, I lost to a weird, like, side choke or something like that. Uh, didn't really go the way I planned. Plus, I mean, I never had any ground experience. Um, I just knew a few things, like, you know, how to do a rear naked choke and stuff like that. But I never, I didn't grapple. I didn't grow up wrestling or anything like that. So, that's a big, that's a like my, big, big change. You're used to standing up and, and using all these disciplines where you're on your feet constantly, and then going oh, yeah. into a, a brand new, whole new world where all of a sudden going off your feet is is half the game. It's half the fight. Is leaving your feet and grappling and defending against it. It's I can understand that's got to be a way, way difficult. Dude, it was it was like the guy had some kind of like. He was like Houdini because I hit him with a double jab and then he just disappeared. And I was like, where did he go? And the next thing I know, he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're rolling around. And, and I mean, look, I'm, I'm pretty athletic and, I, you know, I've played sports my whole life. So it literally looked like a third grade, you know, back schoolyard fight. I mean, we just rolled. We just kept rolling. He swept me. And I swept him. And he swept me and I swept him. And <laughs> finally, by the time we got to the other end of the cage, I was pinned. I was like shit i'm stuck in this position and before i know it uh, the lights went out and i was like i don't even know what happened i mean i it was a weird choke it wasn't even like your traditional rear naked it was just like like that time when matt hughes caught uh what's his name uh almeida with the weird headlock side choke thing it was kind of like that but we were already on the ground sort of you know and um and i'm like what the hell and um, I met this jujitsu guy who trained under Dean Lister and came to me and he had a fight coming up and he's like, Hey, I heard you got good stand up. I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, at the time he was a brown belt and he's like, well, I got good jujitsu. How about we, you know, share, you know, you teach me your stand up, I'll teach you ground. And I was like, Oh, hell yeah, this is perfect. Right. So, oh, uh, I was going to quit MMA and just kind of stick to kickboxing. But, um, you know, I just, one day I just kind of told myself like, dude, a fight's a fight. You know what I mean? Like the guy got me. Okay. I didn't, what did I mess up? Okay. Ground. Let me go train the ground. And, uh, so I figured out some good stuff that worked well for me. And like my next three fights, I was winning submissions. You know, I was doing, I was doing all kinds of stuff on the ground. And so, you know, I put up the time and the work in it and, 
you know, it paid off. And then uh, I moved to Las Vegas, and that's when I started to have some serious fun. Because when you – so my wife was going to medical school in Las Vegas. And um, well, she picked that town because she was like, hey, you're kind of in the peak of your fighting career, and if I go to med school in Las Vegas – a win-win for both of us right i was like hell yeah let's go so uh that was amazing because um if you're a crazy fight fan and and you you know not only do you fight yourself but you're just like you that's all you do 24 7 is you watch videos and you look at things and and you just study and you're looking at film and you try to go to these events and watch them and this is uh 2006 i believe this was like right the year after and I uh, was still in USA and they're at the Bellagio and I one of my sponsors was in town he's like hey is there any fights going on I'm like yeah there's a K1 fight he's like what's K1 and I was like come on dude how do you not K1 and we got to see like Ray Cepho and and uh, Dewey Cooper fought uh, Ruslan and it was like you know Mighty Mo I mean these nice. guys I used to like you know, oh, yeah. watch growing up and this is 2006 and nobody knows like you know who these people really are unless you're in that world you know and i'm having a great time and there's a guy in front of me who's who's so damn drunk and he keeps making these weird comments to me and i just i didn't know i was like dude is this guy we're about to fight or what before you know it he invites me to his gym we end up sparring he becomes one of my best friends ever and uh he and i just uh had a lot of fun and uh, his gym was uh, the famous One Kick Nick. Uh, you know, he's he's got a great gym in Las Vegas, and I got to meet a lot of guys there. And then, you know, I see Ray Seffo, and then the next minute I'm hanging out with him in a gym, and the next minute I'm at his house eating fried chicken. And wow, I'm just like, like seriously, like it's it's weird, you know. And then, you know, so I left Vegas in 2010. And uh, my wife finished her med school, so uh, her residency was Grand Rapids, Michigan, of all places. And um, she's like, hey, you know, we're going to Grand Rapids. I was like, well, as long as it's not Detroit, you know, I heard good things about Grand Rapids. Detroit can be a little yeah. uh, intimidating and scary, yeah, I guess, sometimes. You know, that what goes on in Detroit. You know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, yeah, you know, at the Grand Rapids, you, you know, that, that can work, you know, because, like, to me, um, the way Michigan was, like, especially when I got there and I got to really get the feel of it, it, it was very similar to Dallas, Texas, except the weather conditions. Other than that, and the, the accent, obviously, but uh, the people were really cool, very friendly, very helpful. Um, the houses looked kind of the same to me. It wasn't really that, it wasn't that, it was very easy for me to adjust to. Um, okay. So I got, I walked into Grand Rapids and, um, at the time, I was a purple belt with a uh, with a, a Carlson Gracie senior, not junior, a Carlson Gracie senior uh, jujitsu in Las Vegas, and um, I had a purple belt with them. But I was training under uh, Fredson Pashal, who's a Gracie Baja, which okay. is he's a he's a he's a monster, right? And, um, I got the chance to corner him and go to WEC and, and go to some UFC fights, being in his corner. So I already had some taste of going to the big show as a trainer but i was also his main sparring partner too and at, in las vegas uh, I, I also skipped out on this part like i I, uh, I started my pro boxing career too as well so um i was doing mma and muay thai and boxing all in the four years that i was in vegas um so i got to go to the hbo the top ranked fights i had a, a guy at the time who was the north american uh, boxing champion 
the NABO champ. And so he had to defend his belt, and I was one of his strength and conditioning and also sparring partners. So I really got a good taste of how to corner, how to tape hands, uh, do know how to do cut work. And so when I was in I mean, Vegas was definitely educational for me. Um, what, what did you think about – uh, I'm sorry. What did you think about uh, – I had to cut in your uh, – your... Getting sure. getting into cornering and and doing that, uh, what was your first thoughts and your impressions on that? Getting into it right away, um, because it's it's a big uh, difference from being you know being the fighter and then now you're coaching the fighter, now you're fixing the fighter, now you're the one in the corner responsible for the the other aspect of the fight. It's it's weird uh, when you're the fighter. It's a uh, it's not as nerve wracking as when you're the trainer. Um, I know that sounds cliche-ish. A lot of people say, oh, I get more nervous when my friends fight. Um, what trainers and cornermen say that. But, you know, because – and it was really weird because at, at the time I was still – I was actively fighting, you know. So it was like a friend of mine would have a fight coming up, and he'd be like, hey, man, you know, one kick's going to be busy. doing, Or, or it, sometimes it would be a one-kick show. Like he would put on shows in Vegas locally. So he obviously, the promoter can't corner one of his fighters. So I would go in there and corner some of his guys, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, Steve Cantwell was probably the biggest name at that time because he just beat uh, Brian Stan for the belt in WEC. And then they just got engulfed by the UFC. So it was around that time era that mm -hmm. all this was going on. So cornering was definitely. Um, you know, for me, it was like, okay, listen, if you want to be a complete overall, forget just a fighter, if you want to be a complete martial artist, you know, because that's the background I come from. I don't just come from like, oh, I was just all-state American, uh, you know, wrestler, and I just learned boxing, now I'm in the UFC. I mean, I, I come from like a very, not to say that wrestling doesn't have discipline and stuff like that, but it's, it's a little different coming from a traditional martial art, you know, school. Sure. You know, I guess the when I say things like that, like people automatically think like, you know, Machida and those kind of fighters, you know, they're they're different, you know, and they have different skill sets. And, um, you know, you take Machida and you take a guy like Matt Hughes. Both are awesome. Both were great fighters, both to be Hall of Famers, you know, one probably already is. And uh, but the thing is, is like you can see the difference in their fighting techniques 100 percent, you know, so um I thought that if I would train and, and, you know, corner these guys, learn how to do cut work, learn how to wrap their hands, stuff like that, it would just make me better. Because for me, this is my life now. This is it. This is all I know. This is all I want to do. I don't want to do anything different. I'm not going to sell insurance at Geico. That's not me. You know, I'm not going to ever deliver pizza. That's not me. It's, uh, this is it. You know, I'm never going to sell real estate. I don't care how lucrative it is. That's just not me. I, I don't operate that way. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yeah, you uh, you build up good bonds and you you get good friendships and uh, uh, you know sometimes the money was better. I mean, there were nights I, there were some nights I would make more money uh, cornering two three guys than I would. Hell, one time you guys are gonna laugh. A true story. I sat in a locker room and guys didn't know how to tape their hands. So I would grab my fighter and I would tape and I would sit like in the middle of the room so everyone could see me tape his hands. And everyone would look and be like, holy shit, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> and um, <laughs> wow. guys would come up and they would they would ask, you know, hey, can you tape my hands? I'm like, hey, dude, you know, Pay me. I could tell whether, <laughs> if they had money or not. So my average was, you know, like, hey, 50 bucks, you know, you know, per fighter. And, you know, you get six guys lined up, man. You know, you're making, you know, 600, 400 bucks, whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah. And then you go yeah, corner. Nothing wrong yeah, with that. And, and, it, and it takes me, what, 10 minutes to do it, you know? It's a hustler. You yeah, and then well, I mean, it was 
plus I'm using my supplies. So I would tell them, like, hey, my, my stuff's not cheap, man. They're like, yeah. I'll pay you, you know, because sometimes they would have it. They're like, hey, I would have my own tape. And I'm like, all right, man, you know, 40 bucks, whatever. But if they didn't have anything, I'd be like, oh, $100, man. You know, I'm like, I, I bought this, you know, I buy the good tape. I buy the good gauze. You know, I got the right stuff here. I got the scissors, everything. And then if they want me to be their cut guy, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's going to be, I don't know, anywhere from 1% to 3%, depending on how much work I got to do. If you get messed up, if you, you know, if you got eyes like Rashad Evans where you just blow on your eyebrows and you get, you know, cut open, then we're going to have to you know, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of work there. So, so how long fun. How fun. long did you go on to uh, to corner uh, and uh, cut man and corner and tape? How long did you go on to do that for? Um, well, I did that for probably a year and a half, my last year and a half in Vegas. But then when I got to Grand Rapids, when I got to GR, okay, I was, okay. When I left, uh, uh, Vegas, I had a gym there. I opened up my gym at the, you know, like the last two years. And so it was, it was a good fun gym and you know, like the money was good. It was everything. Cause Vegas is a cash town. It's tipping everyone, you know, cash, cash, cash. So you get a lot of under the table stuff there. Oh yeah. Um, so coming out to GR, I really didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I was there to just to help my wife and get her through residency because she was there for five years. So I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out. I, I don't know anything about West Michigan, not nothing at all. Um, like I was saying, I, you know, I had a purple belt in uh, Carlson Gracie, so I found a Carlson Gracie school in Grand Rapids. I was like, what are the odds, right? I know there was one in Chicago because that's where Senior was from, and Junior took over when Senior passed away. So I was like, yeah, but I can't drive to Chicago like every weekend and go train from GR. That's like a five, six, uh, I don't know how, with traffic, who knows? It could be four or five hours. About four. Um, yeah. 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 You know, and, and, you know, you know how it is in uh, training. Uh, it's always the, the peak times between five and eight. You know, that's like, well, that's when all the traffic is. Yeah. That's when everyone gets off oh, work. God, so. rush hour traffic. Oh, it's a nightmare, yeah. honestly. So I so I found this one in, in GR and I, I went in there and I kind of rolled around with the head instructor. And to be honest, I wasn't really impressed with what, what he had. And I just kind of scratched my head going, you know, man, I really felt like you just bought this black belt, but whatever it is, what it is. I mean, the guy had technique. I'm not saying you couldn't teach technique, but, um, I've rolled around with other smaller guys, 135 pound guys like Barrett Yoshida and, and Jeff Glover and these other dudes. Who who would just smash me, you know, Hobson Mora, you know, these guys, they would just submit me, at, at, I'll tap 20 times. And I'm rolling around with this black belt, and I was a purple belt at, at the time, and I was just like, not, I was never in danger, not once. And I'm like, how in the hell is this guy a black belt? You know, what I mean? <clears throat> it's like, there's just no way. But um, he had a, a, an amateur team, and, and there was there was not really too many pro fighters in Michigan. I think Ryan Bowe, but he was always in Japan. He was. I, I tried to hunt him down, but he was always gone. Um, there was a guy named Caleb Grummet, which was like a heavyweight. I was like, oh, I can't train with that dude. Um, there was what's his name? That dude in Kalamazoo, uh, that Egyptian guy, um, Amir or something. Um, but I don't know. He was. He was. I. We didn't. We just bumped heads. We. We didn't. We didn't really. Two alpha dogs. You know. What I mean, it just didn't work well. I was like, all right, whatever. So I didn't really have any, and I I still had like three more fights left on a, on a contract that I had with this promotion. I'm like, well, shit, I gotta, I gotta find out a way to train. So, I I did what I the only thing I could do, which was teach a bunch of guys some stand up and then train with them. That's all I could really do. And and in return, I was learning some good old fashioned American wrestling because where else? I mean, Michigan, dude. I mean, yeah. Oh me? yeah. Like, I was like, 
Yeah, that's the backbone so right I here, man. Having, yeah, I was having a lot of fun. So, um, you know, a bunch of guys came up to me like, hey, uh, we really like what you do, you know, and we really we really feel like we can go a lot further with you. And, and you know, they suggested that I do, like, open up a school. I was like, ah, I don't want that, man, because I already have one in Vegas, and I'm still trying to, you know, I have managers in place that I'm still operating. I still, I'm still the owner and this and that. And I was like, I, I don't really want to. Oh, I was like, I'm out here too. It'd just be a hobby, man. It's not really. There's no money for me to make. And you know, there's. I mean, you guys can't afford. My memberships in Vegas were $120. You know, for the the, the simple package, people can't afford 120 bucks a month out there. So, Hell no. Yeah, um, so it's a much different uh, uh, yeah, financial environment. You know. Well, the pop the, the city itself is just so much smaller, you know. And yeah, that the too. Population's much smaller. The demographics the, are smaller. Everything's you know, smaller. The money in in Vegas so, is way different than the money in Grand Rapids. Just way yeah. different. And it just it is what it is. Uh, the cost yeah. of living's uh, way different too. It's 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 just that's uh, you know just, just the, the way, way it is. Michigan was man. You know? But I, I, but let me tell you the one thing I, I did like about it. I was really getting in Vegas when I did leave Vegas. I was kind of getting burned out because I let the, the fighting business part of it take over me. And like I said, I was running around. I was running a gym. I was training myself. And I was training with other friends, and they would train me. And I would. I started to um, started to lose a couple of fights that I shouldn't have lost. You know, I was never really hurt. Just you know, some decision that just didn't go my way. And. Um, my weight cuts were, I had some really good ones and then I had some really bad ones and just, I was just kind of like all over the map. And so I, you know, coming to Michigan was nice because it brought me back to being that young kid again in Dallas and that passion. And, and like, mm-hmm. you know, I got these, I think I had like 12 amateur guys who were doing it just for the glory, man. They were not doing it to get paid there. There was no money involved. They were just doing it because they just loved to fight. And it was like, this is what they wanted to do. And, um, and I was like, well, hell, all right, let's go. So that's how Triumph uh, MMA got started. And one day, uh, Eric O'Brien, at the time his name was Eric O'Brien, EOB came Right, down the there. EOB show. EOB, show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, EOB showed up. And uh, actually, I met him over at the, this jiu-jitsu school. We, I, we got invited to come train with some guys over there. And, and I'm the only guy running around with no gi on. Everyone's looking at me like, oh, you're the no gi guy. And I'm like, <laughs> well, let's just have some fun. And next thing you know, I – partner up with eob and next thing you know poor guy's tapping everything i'm throwing at him and he's just looking at me he's like you know because it was refreshing for him because he's like dude i totally forgot he goes you're doing things that are not by the book i'm like no i don't i i i do mma jiu-jitsu i don't do sport brazilian jiu-jitsu for like naga or you know grappler's quest or whatever i'm like i do a complete different style like i do the kind that like my first go-to move is a can opener i'll neck crank you and mm-hmm. you tap, then you're going to be like, oh, Great. I haven't seen that in so long. I'm like, hey, but all I need is one tap. But that's you know, over. That's it. Right. It's over. And then, you know, because every, like, I have a friend there in Michigan named uh, Bud Wright. And I every little trick I've done has worked on him once. And that was it. And then after that, it'll never work again. And then he'll even laugh at it. He'll be like, yeah, you will never get that on me again. I'm like, Bud, it doesn't matter. Uh, if we if we fought one time, that's all it mattered is that you tapped that once, and that was the game. That's game <laughs> over for you. So, um, yeah. So Triumph was good. Uh, there was an amateur promotions there. We were we were doing really well, man. I remember like one night over at Vengeance down in downtown GR. I think I had like six guys at the time, and like even Kevin Lee was on. He was like the 
he was very new. He was new on the team, um, but he wasn't like he wasn't even the co-main event that night or main event. Uh, he wasn't even fighting for a belt. It was just uh, you know, he was just a guy in the lineup. And um, and we went like six to zero that night, you know. And um, it was a good time, you know. And I finally met Darren Crookshank, and he and I, you know, had some. He was he he was the guy I should have put I should have made more time and effort maybe going out to Detroit but again you know another two three hour drive you know it's right like, yeah yeah you know, if I'm, and he's just one guy if I'm gonna make that drive I'd rather go to Chicago where there's you know there's so many fighters I mean Lamas is there and there's you know Carlson Gracie and there's a group of guys I could have gone and uh, there's you know there's a much more depth in Chicago than where you know Darren was at so. Well, tell me, um, what 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 year was that that we, that you were just talking about where you went six and zero and, and you, Kevin Lee was young? What what year is this? Because we're we're here at the show. We we love talking about Kevin Lee. We love uh, all the work that he's doing and the yeah. success that he's having. So we're just re- just kind of curious what uh, where where the start was and what year that was. Was it? Uh, well, two thousand. So right around the t- two thousand eleven. Okay, it's about six years time. ago. Okay. Yeah, it was about 2011 is when Triumph opened up. And then um, uh, I want to say probably just right around the turn of 2012. Okay. So just about uh, five years I, I ago met, then. I met, I, met, I met Kevin. And when I met Kevin, I met him through a, a, one of his wrestling partners. Uh, not even a wrestling partner, just a guy that he knew from uh, Grand Valley. And uh, the guy said, hey uh, – I got this kid who's from Detroit, but, you know, goes to school at Grand Valley. You know, can I bring him in and, you know, have him, have him train with us? So I was like, yeah, bring I always liked, I always had open doors. So I was like, yeah, I don't care. I, I, didn't, I wasn't territorial with anybody. Mm-hmm. People can come train with us. We would go to other gyms. We would go over to GRMMA and train with those guys all the time. It was fun. What better way to learn? Um, I, yeah. I mean, well, that's what you do in Vegas anyways. I remember uh, in Vegas, me and George Sauteropoulos, we used to bounce around from gym to gym to gym, you know, it was he, that guy would go to every single gym you know known to man. That was weird. Uh, he had this little pathfinder. He would just go everywhere. And I'm like, man, you're just <laughs> it was all over the map. But look how good he you know, he got. Absolutely. But, um, anyway, right. so so yeah, when I met Kevin, he was five and zero as an amateur. Um, he fought in two different weight classes, and and when I met him, I was like, oh, you're five and zero. He's like, yeah. And I think it was a I think it was the summer of 2012, or maybe the summer of 2013. I can't remember which one it was. I was like, oh, so you're five and zero. I was like, so how long have you been fighting? And he was like, uh, just for like three months. And I was like, wait, wait, what are you saying? What are you talking about, man? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, why are you fighting? So I'm mean, that's cool, but it's not like kickboxing, like how I grew up, where you could fight, you know, like in, like you know, like in K1, you know, you have you could fight three fight three times in one night, right? Um, because it's different. And I was like, and you're in MMA, and at that time, you know, Michigan MMA amateur was like pros, and you know there was no protection, no blood work, nothing. Yeah. No headgear. You just go out there and you're banging away with guys who can use, you know, duct tape for, you know, underneath their gloves. You would never know. And I was just kind of like, ah, that's not too smart, man. I was like, well, you know, let's dial it back and let's, you know, when you want to fight. He was like, I'm supposed to fight this weekend. I said, well, listen, dude, I don't want to mess up your plans. You do whatever you want to do for now, and when you want to take a break and just come and train, let me know. So he didn't take that fight that weekend. He actually stayed. I think he we I sparred him, and I, I tore up his leg a lot where he couldn't finish the round, and he kind of got gassed out. And that's when he realized, yeah, this is the place I need to train because that's how that's what fighters do, man. They go somewhere until they get 
if they kick everyone asses asses there, then they're like, I'm not training. You know, there's, uh, there's no challenge. They go to a place where, yeah, they they go to a place where like where they get their ass handed to them. They're like, oh shit. You know? Yeah, that's the place to be. Um, You're gonna learn there. That was the place to be. Yeah. So um, it was really interesting. You know, he was a very interesting character because. Um, when I first met him, he was he was definitely a nerd. I mean, the dude had like this messed up fro looking thing, and he wore glasses. He had the worst vision. Um, you know, kind of a skinny kid, really long arms, and it was just weird because I remember the first time we sparred, he was hitting me with his jab pretty far away, and I was like, "What the hell?" Like he's only five nine, you know, I'm five eight, so it's not like he's six foot four, but he's hitting me like he's six foot four. So finally, you know, after I got to know him, I was like, "Dude." But stick out your arms, and this kid had like a 77 inch reach. And I'm like, How in the hell do you have 77 wow. inch reach when you're five foot nine? You know, it's like, it's what you know, he's, a, he's weird, a knuckle but, dragger, um, that's all. He's a knuckle yeah, dragger, definitely. And uh, so we started to, and you know, he had good wrestling because he wrestled in high school, and then you know, obviously, he was at Grand Valley on a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so he did some fights with us as an amateur. And I remember he, there was a couple of times he would go down. Like, I would go back to California on vacation. He would call me up. He's like, hey, man, down in Detroit, I just did these weigh-ins, but they want me to fight this other guy. He's two you know, two weight classes above me. And, you know, I, I don't know, man. I was like, well, dude, if, you, you know, if you're calling me with doubts, don't, don't take the fight. He's like, all right, man, I'm not going to do that. You know, those times where he would just be like, you know. But then when one day – so he was working at a, this, this oil change place, uh, whatever those – those quick quickie little things are you know that was right across the street from our gym okay and one day i asked him i was like hey man uh i know it's part-time gig and you, you do most of the oil changer but you just get paid minimum wage right he's like yeah i was like so how how long will it take you to make 1200 bucks at that place he's like i don't know probably like all summer long i was like really he's like yeah. i said well i got a fight for you if you want to it's pro it'd be a pro debut and i think he was 10 and 0 already now or something like that. i think it was 10 and 0 and he was finishing guys all over the place like i don't remember any of his amateur fights um going to a decision all he finished all his fights in in uh amateur so i was like hey i got a fight for you and my just it's a it's gonna be a tough fight because we are going to go to montreal and we're gonna fight a guy out of tristar and the guy's already uh i think he was 2 and 0 with one knockout mm-hmm. and that and he didn't hesitate he was like, jumped right on it. He was like, he was like, twelve hundred bucks. Let's go. And I was like, okay. And I had other guys on the card too. So, um, you know, I was like, all right, guys. So this is what we're gonna do. You know, we're gonna rent a van. We're gonna drive. Up. I'll do all the driving. You guys just relax. We're gonna treat it like, for them, they all wrestle. I said, we're gonna treat this like a wrestling meet. You guys just kick back, relax. You know, don't eat obviously because we got weigh-ins. But yeah, you know, I remember the days. Everything's gonna be. <laughs> ju- everything's just gonna be like like everything else and just let me handle so and um the guy who ran the show up in montreal is actually his current manager right now named stefan patry and um and he runs uh tko mma up there right now which wow. is the the guy who found gsp in the right yeah yeah. He, he did, right. yeah yeah he's that guy and uh i met steph i didn't know who he was uh i didn't know his background until we went up there the second time but the first time we went up there um, they were su- – I mean, Kevin won. My other guy lost by decision, but they felt everyone, even the judge uh, – not the judges, but everyone and the promoter, they thought that he would, he won the fight. So we ended up leaving there with uh, two contracts um, for, you know, two of the guys that fought. 
And uh, so that was a win-win for me. I was like, great, great wow. experience. No doubt. Um, we got we, – we got fighting contracts and they were really good purses, you know, and, and Kevin was super happy. He's like, dude, I, I've never made 1200 bucks in my life. You know, I was like, sweet. Here you go, kid. Wow. And, um, that's a, that's a, and, that's and amazing, I, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good. And then, you know, we got, we got our contract. So we went up there for the second fight and it was just as good. Great treat treatment. Um, we started to meet guys like, uh, Brandon Thatch and some of these other dudes and who weren't in the UFC yet either. You know, we're all kind of like hanging in there and, but, um, the, the one thing that separated Kevin from everybody else and the reason why he's in the UFC is that Kevin never wanted to fight anyone that was at the same level or a negative record. He always wanted to fight somebody that had a high, high record. Um, like our second fight going in, he was 1-0, and and he wanted to fight this. There was this French guy who was uh, number three at the time in Europe, and he was the Cage Wars lightweight champion at the time. His name was... Uh, Mansoor something a big tall black guy with like dreads and phenomenal jujitsu i mean he had some nasty rear naked choke wins the guy was seven and oh um and stefan was like sean i'm not going to be able to get the commission to pass this you know this they're not going to agree to this fight i was like well then we're not coming and they really wanted you know they, they signed kevin already they're like well we really want kevin i'm like well kevin only wants to fight that guy that's it you know so Stefan, I don't know, he sprinkled a little magic somewhere. Wow. And the fight happened. <laughs> we went in there, and then we ended up beating the guy. You wow. Know? It was like, yeah, we beat the guy. So tell me what and you're up come... to. Uh, tell me what you guys, I'm sorry to cut you short, but we're running real close yeah. on time here. So tell me what you're up to these days and what's uh, what's going on with Sean oh. these days so that we can uh, we can let everyone know how to contact you, where to get a hold of you, and uh, what's going on in your life nowadays. Okay, so now – Definitely retired. No more fighting. No more fighting. Uh, okay. No more fighting. Forty-two. Uh, I can still speak. I have, you know, my brain's intact, and I got kids. Um, having fun with them. Um, wife's Great. fully done with all her training. She's she's fully working. Uh, I have a. Um, so we're back in, back home. We're in Southern California. I have a friend who manages a bunch of fighters over here. Uh, he's got a gym in Long Beach. CS MMA or I forget what it's called, but. Um, you guys remember Chad George? He was in WC, and then he fought in Bellator a few times. He was yeah. the one that yelled at, at Mazzagatti. He was like, dude, out. <laughs> Mazzagatti didn't know what was going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Yep. He's the he's one of the owners and head trainers there, and he's got a bunch of guys. And so um, I get called up from time to time, and I go in there. And, I, look, I will always – sparring is always my favorite thing. Um, okay. I always love to spar. I will always train with guys. Um, you know, that's – that said and done, like that's something I do. But as far as the business, the the business side of of the, everyone follows the UFC. Everyone's following that that except Bellator, but everyone else is doing stuff. And guys, I mean, look at this card that's coming up on Saturday. Even if you go to the underground and you look at the fight card, you're only going to have three profile pictures up there. There's, yeah, you know, yeah. The, everyone, right, yeah. you know, you, it's hard to know who these people are on fight night. So on fight night cards. The pay-per-views, a lot of people know what they are, but, you know, I, I don't like the, the direction that the UFC is doing their business, and, and, and I don't like the direction that these fighters are, are their approach. Some of them have great attitudes, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, choose, like, the high road or be the better man, but guys, guys like like uh, Damian Maya and Gerard Musasi, the way they're handling themselves, I the fight should sell themselves. I yeah. think the matchups should be able to sell. 
right? You yeah. know, you got you got people running around doing some clownish shit. And look, we all know. Look, I'm one. I'm just as as much as the next. guy. I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan. I I you know I love that guy. I think what he does is awesome. It's great. Um, he's very entertaining. Um, like if I was a movie director, I'd be like, okay, you know the guy from that movie Snatch with Brad Pitt when he played Mickey. Well, we're gonna do a prequel thing. We're gonna do this how Mickey became this bare knuckle dude and you're going to be the star. You know, like that's what I would do with a con, you know? Yeah, like, blow sure. Him up in a way where, you know, they... snatch, right? When Brad Pitt played that role, that's basically con. That's the real life Conor McGregor right there. I mean, Absolutely. Oh yeah. Guys with yeah. One punch, yeah. You know? and Definitely. He's got the talk. He's got the accent. He's got the, I mean, he is that dude. He is that, I think his name was Mickey in the movie. He's that guy. Yep. You know what I mean, Mickey the Pikey. Uh, I think that's why people, connect with him so well but listen there's only one conor mcgregor that's it no no one else is ever going to do what he's doing you know um you know uh what uh, gagar musasi just put out an interview to uh, the other day saying that his uh, sage north cut gets like 70 plus 70 or 75 or whatever and the guys at the 90 i mean gagar musasi man this dude's a, he's fought all over the place he's got yeah. over 45 fights and sage north cuts 20 grand behind him and he's got a, I don't know what his, his UFC record is. Pretty sloppy. Like, yeah, one and two. Like, and two or one, and, one and two, two and two. two, three, two and three. Like it's, terrible. it's not great. Whatever it is, man. Not at all. No, but how in the hell, and he's coming off of a loss, how in the hell yeah. is he 20 grand behind Gegard Musasi? I don't it's get it either. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, we're, we're huge Gegard fans here. We really talk him up a lot because yeah. we, we understand his ability and skill and, and to have that, you know, to have that kind of money figure is really insulting. But, uh, Sean, you know what, Very man? Insulting. We really, really appreciate you coming on here and, and talking to us about that. We had some extremely interesting stories, and and you've really, you've really had an exciting life, man. That's you know, that's that's been a lot of fun, and um, I, I just I can't thank you enough for coming on and doing this for us. Yeah, thank you very much, and Sean. Problem, and next, next, if you guys want to have me out again next time, let's just not talk about the. Me, let's just talk about like what's coming up in fights because I, I, there's so much stuff that's going on that like I'm always going to be a fan. I, you know, oh yeah, because I, I stepped out of the. I don't want to be a part of the business. That's the reason why I don't want to be cornering guys at the UFC because mm-hmm. when you're behind the scenes, you see things differently. But as right. far as like match, I will always. I always got my DVR set. I'm always watching fights. Yeah, and. You know, I, there's some good stuff that's out there, man. You know what I mean? And, I mean, even with Bellator, sometimes Bellator gets kind of Mickey mouse but, but, you know, whatever. Sure. Bellator, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's talk about, like, matchups. And yeah, how would be a better matchup. And, 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 you know, that kind of stuff is what, you know, it's, it's awesome. And then with the Ryans, you know, mental uh, you know, <laughs> dancing there. That's with, with that's definitely how right, we try to got, do it. So you know, you know all little. You remember like every move and every hit and every oh, date. Are you like date. the MMA nerd? He, like, it's disgusting. The, he's the I Rain Man. Keep me around. He's our Rain Man. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. Oh, he pulls. Rain man yeah, him. man. He's it's dates, fight like who like the the actual what UFC number it was. Yeah. What place on the card? Yeah. Like shit like that. That's Ryan. It's man. terrible. That's I don't Ryan. Get it. But yeah, we would we would absolutely love yeah. to have you back on to break down some fights with us, man. That that's, would be fun. Yeah, that's how we yeah, usually do fun. it. Is well, you know, the first time we try to get your story, let everyone know who you are, and then, the, then second, third, whatever, repeating times. That's when we just break down the yeah. story, talk the shows, and and talk the fights and stuff. But we had to let the listeners know what what uh, Sean's all about, and you know where you came from, and uh, then we appreciate you coming on and giving us that. 
Yeah, and listen, guys, the the gym, the Triumph MMA gym is still up and running. Even though I'm out here, um, my partners are still running everything, and a lot of the guys that were amateur now are pro fighters there now, and they, they love having their open doors, man. So at any time anyone's in Grand Rapids, go to triumphgym.com, find the address. Hell, just say you know the average Joe's or, or Sean sent you, and you, you're going to be welcome with open arms. They'll probably squeeze the life out of you. <laughs> you got to get stretched you know. the first time, so. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a lot of fun, man. It, you know, and I, I do make trips back there and, you know, do little small, like, seminars with just my guys. You know, like, give them, you know, like, brush them up on skill sets and stuff. But that's about it, really. Okay. But, um, yeah, the gym's always open, man. So if you guys ever get bored and want to go punch someone in the face, Go, go there, man. It's a lot of fun. Oh, so that's Triumph Gym, and we'll, we'll, uh, when we post this, we'll share the link uh, on our page so that everyone knows where to go. Thank you again, Sean. Yeah, thank um, you again, Sean. We yep, appreciate yeah, it, thanks man. Thanks again, Sean. All right, man. Take All care. Right, guys. Take it easy. Yep. Bye. Bye. All right. All right, guys. That was Sean. Uh, Sean Desay. Sean Desay, and uh, an amazing story and amazing tales from uh, growing up, uh, going through boxing and muay thai and mma and jiu-jitsu and all kinds of stuff so we're gonna save this one and we're gonna be back in a little bit just a few minutes and we're gonna break down some fights and talk some news so uh hang tight Uh, thanks again sean we appreciate you and we'll be right back